0: everyone and welcome to episode 171 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and like usual, I'm joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard?
1: Hey Seth, what's going on? Ah, uh, not
0: much. Excited to talk about some magic. So we have a really kind of strange and scattered cast this week. We have uh some spoilers. They're a little weird and not that plentiful, but we have Battle Bond spoilers, the very first cards. I think spoiler season begins officially in like a week or 10 days, they said. I don't remember the exact date. Sometime in the end of the teens of May. We also got some surprise M19. I guess they're leaks or spoilers. I'm not 100% sure if they're intentional or not intentional. So we're going to talk about the new cards. We're also going to talk about some MTG Arena updates. They had the first run of their limited format, or one of their limited formats this weekend. So we're going to talk about that, and uh, also a little bit about the tournament scene. Not so much about the decks, but about the fact that we haven't had any standard tournaments for some reason, even though Dominaria released a couple weeks ago. But let's start with the fun stuff. Richard, we got some spoilers. Why don't you take it away and kind of walk us through the new cards that we've gotten the past week
1: all right let's talk about battle bond what is battle bond you ask seth i didn't know either but it's the new <laughs> two-headed giant set from WotC. it's being released in june it's about i think june 8th so a month out and it's a it's a two-headed giant set so it's interesting we've had the commander set that was a huge success so here they go with another multiplayer focus set and we got five spoilers They're a cycle of lands, dual lands, allied colors. They enter the battlefield tapped unless you have two or more opponents. In other words, if there are two or more opponents, uh, or sorry, yeah, two or more opponents, you get uh, untapped dual lands. Uh, The type is only land, so you can't fetch them, you can't uh, far seek them. But they are untapped dual lands for the multiplayer format. Seth, is this a game changer? What What does this mean? Uh,
0: so, I mean, it's not a game changer, but they are a very solid set of lands for, like, casual multiplayer commanders. So I'm happy that they are kind of doing this. It feels like another commander set to some extent because... Uh, while Two-Headed Giant is fun, I think it ranks pretty far behind Commander in terms of popularity, so being able to have a bit of a crossover, where they have cards that Commander players are going to want, I feel like that's probably going to be necessary for this set to actually function and work, so it's going to be interesting. It is a reprint set, is worth mentioning as well. It's similar to like Conspiracy, where I think, I'm looking at the numbers, it's a full set, so 254 cards, 85 of those are brand new, and then we get a bunch of reprints, so it'll be interesting to see where that shakes out as far as the lands itself i think they are pretty bad well that might be too harsh i think they're only okay if you're running non-budget commander decks with fetch lands then i think they definitely rank behind fetch lands shock lands original dual lands maybe even some of the other fetchable lands like the battle for zendikar dual lands but if you're playing budget commander these are probably the best Cycle of lands even above the shock lands and so forth, assuming you don't have fetch lands, you don't have original alpha, beta dual lands. I think this is just the freest untapped dual land if you're not playing fetch lands in the
1: format. I disagree with your mediocre assessment, Seth. <laughs> I think they're actually pretty good. I mean, obviously, nothing beats original dual lands, but you know, realistically, how many people have them? And then you have shock lands, obviously, they're included. And then it starts getting pretty murky, right? Okay, maybe you play some check lands, maybe you play some fast lands, uh, maybe you play the battle lands, or maybe you play these lands. And so I think this falls like right after fetches into like, you know, what kind of deck do you actually have? Are you afraid of Blood Moon? Do you play enough basics for check lands? And it's, they're just dual lands that enter untapped. And chances are if, there aren't four people at the table say say everyone is dead and it's you and your opponent if you're still hoping for a top deck land that comes into play untapped (laughs) i don't know things have gotten pretty bad so in in most of the cases this is pretty good whereas uh, you know the more colors you add to your deck the better it gets right like it's just untapped uh lands and you know on commander clash we're gonna play these cards beyond belief (laughs) so i think this is actually pretty good if they're reasonably costed. If, for some reason, Battle Bond is the next True Name Nemesis.deck or something, and these cards are really expensive, then it's not worth it. But if these are actually budget cards, I I think they're just auto-include in, like, every... almost every deck, or you would consider them, at the very least. They're not, like, those weird niche lands where you're like, yeah, probably not, unless my commander can abuse it.
0: Yeah, I I might have underrated them. Like, they are very good, but I think that they... I, when I saw people initially talking about them, the conversation was like, are they the best lands in Commander? And I think if you have no budget concerns, they, for me at least, they rank behind fetch lands and lands you can, good lands that you can fetch with fetch lands, but then they probably are better than pain lands and check lands, and all those cycles so I guess being worse than fetch lands, shock lands, and dual lands still makes them probably close to an auto-include for most multiplayer commander games, so, and then I think they're going to be great budget lands, it'll depend partly on how successful Battle Bond is, like if just no one buys this product and it's really low supply, then these lands end up being pretty expensive, because one thing we've learned is Commander does drive prices, like, maybe more so than any other format. Every time you look at price movement, you're seeing these weird cards, like, they printed sagas, and then cards that work with sagas that you've probably never heard of before all of a sudden, like, triple in price. So, Commander does have a lot of price movement and a huge player base, so if the supply on BattleBond is low because people don't buy the set, then we could run into a price where they're really expensive, but my guess is they're going to be, like, some of the best budget dual Land. In the format. I'm hopeful that they're going to be pretty cheap and just like auto includes. Don't know about Commander Clash because I get the sense considering uh, they don't even support two headed giant anymore treasure on Magic chest, Online. Seth, treasure that, chests. <laughs> that's true. They could show up in treasure chests just for Commander. That's most likely. But I don't think we'll get the set proper because uh yeah they don't even support <laughs> two at a giant anymore unfortunately uh, they they actually their
1: legacy staples and then they, they're forced to begrudgingly add them to treasure chests
0: so so richard uh obviously not playing these in any other format right <laughs> they will not be legacy staples
1: uh maybe like unhinged or un- un- unset i don't know <laughs> Otherwise, they're just, like, strictly worse than (laughs) Guildgates. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and the the lands that enter, tap, and gain you one life, they're just worse than those. Uh, It's really cool, though. I like that the print cards that are very powerful in Commander that are not breaking other formats. Like, they're, they're actually unplayable in other formats. So I think that's a cool design, and I, at this point, I like to see Commander getting that love because it is one of the biggest and most played and most fun formats in all of Magic, really.
1: All right. Controversial statement. Well, first, before I say that, have you seen the art of Luxury Suite? <laughs> it's at- Luxury Suite is the Rakdos land, and it looks like a baller penthouse suite in Vegas. Like, what, what kind of magic world is this? It's actually pretty weird to me. It just does not look magic at all. <laughs> so,
0: I believe, let me see if I can find this. Uh, so, this is interesting. Uh, the, do you know what the theme of Battle Bond is in the plane that it takes place on, Richard? Earth? Uh, well, maybe sort of. It's actually <laughs> Kylum, but it is a never, the set is based on sports, actually. That is the theme of oh the set. God. It's, so, so that's like LeBron James, like, <laughs> pet House suite or something.
1: Uh, maybe Watsi has got two, sports <laughs> is the theme?
0: <laughs> sports it sports and games. It's our love letter to sports and esports alike. This is what? to sports what Innistrad was to Victorian horrors <laughs> as Entheros was to Greek mythology. What? <laughs>
1: Okay. I mean, I guess we could try this, but it just seems really weird. Okay. We're going to have like football inspired cards and stuff. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I'm very curious if it can, if it can hit those tropes without being like a really weird uh, silver bordered set, like an unsat falling into like some of the jokes and tropes and I don't know, stereotypes. Yeah. So it, it should be interesting.
1: All right. Back to controversial opinion. What if Watsy simply had put the basic land types onto these?
0: I think they should have. I think that was... I think that that would have made these budget dual lands for Commander. They would have been... And I don't know the downside of that. It doesn't break the reserve list. They're completely unplayable in Legacy. So if the concern is Wizards doesn't want to support Legacy for some reason because they want it to die and it's not profitable, it wouldn't even do that. So I feel like it's a big missed opportunity to not have made those just the premier dual lands for Commander.
1: Yeah, okay, maybe it wasn't so controversial at all, but yeah, I think it should have been fetchable. And then you could have fully powered EDH mana bases without touching the reserve list, without making legacy players mad, without you know breaking the balance of decks in legacy and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, may- maybe if Battle Bond takes off, maybe the next set, they'll, <laughs> they'll release uh, some, fetchable, some fetchable multiplayer land. And,
0: and then you just have to play, like, the silver border cards that, like, oh, your opponent gains a teammate or something, yeah. and then you have yep. real dual lands.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep. All right. Mm. Uh, Battle Bond is not the only spoilers we got. We got, quote-unquote, spoilers, which I don't think they're spoilers, but they're real cards. <laughs> I think they're leaks, but somehow someone got the cards. Uh, of course, at 2019, which is the next expansion... It's a core set, this comes out in July, so this is about two months out, and we got a whole bunch of cards. Uh, I don't want to list them all because they're all common, but a, an interesting card we got was Goblin Instigator, which is one in a red, it's a 1-1, one, one. it's a goblin rogue, when it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token.
0: I think this card's actually pretty reasonable. It's uh, it's very similar to like Dragon Fodder, and that might not be exciting. But remember, all these cards are commons. We're not talking about the chase mythics from the set or anything. And uh, Dragon Fodder is the kind of glue that holds together tribal decks. Putting two on tribe members on the battlefield on turn two is really powerful. When you maybe have a lord on turn three or a goblin rabble master on turn three, we got siege gang commander, we got goblin war chief. So we have a lot of stuff. I think for me the most exciting part of this is it seems to suggest at least to me that goblins are going to be supported in magic 2019 and they're close they got a lot of cool stuff from dominaria and i think if we get one more goblin set especially especially a lord fingers crossed for a lord we might actually have just like tribal goblins in standard
1: yeah i think this is actually really exciting i mean it is basically dragon fodder but the fact that it has a goblin type on it and it is a creature. Is uh, quote unquote a game changer. So you can, for example, say you have a Goblin Warchief out, uh, that cost reduces this. That doesn't cost reduce Dragon Fodder, right? So for basically one mana, you get two 1 1s. Go nuts with this. You can uh, draw it off Ringleader, you can tutor it up off Matron, although I don't know why you would. Uh, you can reanimate this. Uh, the fact that it's a Goblin type, you can cast it off Cavern of Souls. Like I, I don't know. So it it, it does things because it's a creature. And it's not strictly better because Dragon Fodder does different things. For example, you can fork it or you can Snapcaster it or something. (laughs) I I don't know what you would do. But I I think being a creature uh, is more in line with what Goblins want. Because a lot of the things it has to do has to do with Goblin types and uh, just creatures and getting more bodies on the battle so I actually think this is actually pretty good and we might actually see it played in standard because we do have War Chief, uh we do have various random goblin cards lying around so if we get enough pieces you could probably piece together a goblin deck uh the question is seth do we play this in modern
0: <laughs> I think the problem in modern is uh ah. I think that Mog War Marshal is basically strictly better version of this. So the question is, do you want more Mog War Marshals? And I think... Maybe like Mog War Marshall is really good in decks like eight whack, uh, in Goblin Tribal, just cause it puts two bodies and those bodies benefit from bushwhackers from the various lords that you have. So it's possible that it gets played as like copies five and six of Mog War Marshall or something. But I think that Mog War Marshall is mostly just a better version of this. So it would be extra Mog War Marshals, not replacing Mog War Marshall
1: hmm Alright, other cards from Core Set 2019, which we won't talk about but we'll list. <laughs> Open speaker. Tormenting voice. Yeah. Anticipate. Uh-huh. Anything else? I mean we huh. we have some staples like cancel, active treason.
0: Those Mighty are, leave. <laughs> so, so those are the main ones. Disperse would have been maybe on the list if it wasn't for blink of an eye just being printed and blink of an eye is just literally that with a kicker attached to it, which makes it st- literally strictly better, even though that term is usually a little overused. So those are the main ones. Omen speaker was playable in its day. Tormenting voice, I think is now basically evergreen in standard i think it's like alongside cancel is just a card that they're always going to make sure is in standard and it's a good one to have in standard like if when the right deck comes along it is playable in reanimator with pyromancer's goggles or other weird prowess type things the other thing that's kind of interesting to me i think because these cards are so bad i guess we'll go with they're, (laughs) they're just commons they're not like even necessarily the best commons uh for the most part that I think for me the bigger takeaway is what we can learn about maybe the broader set like Dwarven Priests suggests that Dwarves are back as a supported tribe we have Dwarves from Kaladesh so maybe we get some more support with the like six months or three months before they rotate you know they, they used to do that when they like put Rancor in alongside Infect for the last three months of Standard because they're like well you know what's the worst that's going to happen maybe it breaks the format but it's going to rotate in three months so even if it breaks the format it's only for three months so I think it's it's cool to see more dwarf support we also see uh clerics we see knights pledge which maybe suggests that knights are going to get more support that was another tribe from dominaria that i was like i really think they're going to give more support once we get to the core set so i think that that's the most interesting stuff for me is like the flavor and theme takeaways that we can kind of speculate on based on these random comments rather than any of these cards themselves being playable because uh apart from goblin instigator and a couple of the reprints that we mentioned these cards are pretty much just limited fodder i think
1: yeah and before we poo poo too much on the set there are good cards that come out of core sets like we had uh the titan cycle came from a core set so primeval titan uh inferno titan etc Thrag tusk
0: i don't understand why people look down on core sets like i think core sets I know they're simpler than a normal set and less complex, but they're really powerful. I really, I am super excited for it. Like, I could probably rant for the rest of this podcast about why I think it's so important that core sets are back. But like you said, there's a ton of good cards that have come from core sets. Uh, Baneslayer Angels, Titans, uh, the Flipwalker Cycle from Magic Origins. There's a lot of constructed playables. Then there's a lot of just fun, casual cards. Starfield of Nyx. Uh, then there's a bunch of sweet reprints that you wouldn't see in other Sets because they're just not on point as far as the flavor of the set. That's where we get like uh, a Chroma's Memorial, we got Court of Calling, we got Urborg, Tomb of Yagmoth. So I think core sets are really huge. And the biggest, biggest, biggest part of all this is I feel like the lack of core sets and the lack of reprints is a big reason why standards suffered, like uh, not this year so much, but the year before and the year before that, it was kind of rough. And it because there wasn't an easy spot for wizards to be like, okay, standard really needs pithing needle or whatever, or it really needs a random goblin lord to make goblins work. And if it's not on theme with Kaladash, which has a very specific, you know, creature types and theme, or Ixalan with dinosaurs and pirates, there's just not a way to get those cards in standard. So Core Set, like, is that place where wizards can kind of fix standard. They can give tribes that maybe need a little boost, a little bit more help. They can put in hate cards that don't necessarily fit on the older sets. We've had really good reprints before, so... I think people are being silly if they poo-poo core sets, because there's powerful cards, there's cool reprints, and I think it's really important for making standard function in the way we want it to function.
1: And remember, the greatest core set card of all time, Seth, Black Lotus.
0: Ooh, that's... that's, (laughs) It's been a long time, uh, but yes, you're right.
1: (laughs) Do you think they'll bring Black Lotus back, Seth? (laughs) Oh, man.
0: Don't get me started on the reserve list, Richard. Don't get me started. So we didn't actually talk about where these cards came from. So someone opened a Dominaria booster box and mixed in with the Dominaria cards were Corset 2019 comments. So Richard, uh, do you think this was intentional? So I know I've heard from people who I really respect their opinion that some of the things like this in the past where uh, evolving Valving Wilds was found in a dumpster and it would three months early have actually been marketing on Wizards part. But this one feels a little weird because when it's been the marketing thing, it's typically just one single card, and this is just a random assortment of common So intentional marketing on Richard's part or uh, on Wizard's <laughs> part, or is it just a uh a mistake with the printers?
1: It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if you're gonna to try to drum up hype for your new set, is is like Omen Speaker yeah. the right card, right? Like it doesn't make any sense, but at the same time, like why would the printer be printing M19? <laughs> At the same time as Dominaria. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how they got mixed in, right? So, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Evolving oh. Wilds in a dumpster, I can see. that Because that's like, the cost of that is so low, right? Like, WotC's like, hey, intern, Watsy, intern, just go to Card Kingdom, throw us <laughs> Evolving <some laughs> Wilds in the dumpster, and boom, top front page Reddit post, right? But this requires a lot of work for a payoff that doesn't seem to make any sense. So, I don't... I don't think so. I think this is just they botched it somehow.
0: Yeah, uh, I I tend to agree with you with this one because, like you said, no one's no one's freaking out because Cancel's back. Well, it's I'm not...
1: out over Goblin Instigator, Seth. <laughs> uh,
0: I do like Goblin Instigator. I will I will admit that is by far the most exciting card, and uh, we'll see. Like like we said, it's all common, so we just can't read too much into it. But interesting that this happens every once in a while, and still is happening. Anyway, Richard, MTG Arena drafting. So, uh, MTG Arena is progressing uh, through the beta, and they had their first run of Limited. Right now, Limited a little different than Paper. You draft against AI, then play against uh, real opponents who also drafted against AI. Only for weekends right now. They run it for the weekends and take it down, then run it again the following weekend. Also, the first run, which was this weekend, was Hour of Devastation draft for some reason, which was a little weird because Dominaria just released and I'm not sure why Uh, it was an old set that's going to rotate in a few months, but Richard, did you play any arena drafts and uh, what were your thoughts on them if you did?
1: I've played more Limited this past weekend than I have in like the last three years, I think. (laughs) I think the last time I actually played Limited was M15, maybe M15, Innistrad, around, like, I don't know, somewhere in there, and I played maybe five or six uh, leagues or, I don't know what you call it, like the full draft runs, and it's It's pretty fun, Uh, the AI is a bit quirky, it passes the same cards over and over again, so if you know what it's doing, you can craft yourself an excellent deck, and you can also fill your vault, because you get a ton of bulk uh, rares, uh, a few bulk mythics, but you can fill up the collection. Pretty quickly, and then after you get a few runs in, your vault meter starts filling pretty quick, because you keep getting the same commons and uncommons and rares that the AI keeps passing. And uh, when you play your matches, uh, this, this Hour of Devastation format, this is not a real format, right? Double Hour of Devastation, single Almond Cat? Uh,
0: That was the Hour of Devastation format.
1: Wait, it was?
0: They they ch- they changed how limited works since you last drafted back in <laughs> Theros or whatever it was. So yes, this is they... a
1: weird format because everyone. <laughs> so the way it breaks down is I always draft white black now, regardless of what I open. I always draft white black unless I start rare drafting random things. Because of the way the AI passes thing, passes cards, and everyone else in my leagues just plays the same white black decks. So I think everyone has figured out the same thing. And then once in a while someone will open like a nickel a nickel bolus or something, they'll actually play different colors. But it's heavily skewed towards white black in my experience. And the rewards are pretty good. I found it quite easy to go infinite and you're actually I'm not even counting the cards I'm opening, but I have filled out many, many Hour of Devastation, Amonkhet, Rares, Uncommons, and Mythics, so I actually found the experience to be quite fun, not fun enough to play forever, because I can only draft White-Black so many times in a row, and play the Mirror Match so many times in a row, but if they keep the prize pool the same, and it's just non-AI, like, versus actual people, I would be quite happy with it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I also played it. And I thought it was fine. The AI is a little weird. Uh, It didn't feel... The drafting part didn't really feel like... A regular draft, I guess where you're drafting against a bunch of opponents, there were definitely cards passed that uh, wouldn't have been passed by real opponents most likely, and weird color things like you were mentioning, but I mean it's fun, it's really quick it's it's basically almost exactly hearthstone arena. It is the magic equivalent of hearthstone arena where you're kind of drafting against a computer, uh then you play against humans. the best of one thing can be a little bit weird because you get mana screwed and you just, like, straight up lose (laughs) lose the entire match, which is a little annoying. But I felt like it went pretty well overall. I also realized that... It felt like a really good way to acquire cards for me. What was your take on that, Richard? Because I come, I came to the position by the end of it where I felt like rather than spending your gems on buying packs and opening them to get cards, you were better off just joining a draft, rare drafting, and then drop <laughs> dropping to get your random number of prize packs and then doing it again.
1: Yeah, I think that's right because uh, you do open three packs, so you get first pick on three packs, and then you get whatever the AI passes. So cards that are very, very easy to acquire in draft. so if you need them, I would go this route. So, lands, uh, scavenger grounds, uh, colorless lands are very easy to get, dual lands are easy to get, things like, uh, cards that don't actually work in decks, <laughs> so, like, uh, new perspectives, uh, even Approach of the Second Sun, those kind of cards table quite often, so uh, if you're looking to get a playset of those, like, draft is definitely the place, and, uh, so there, there are certain cards the AI just keeps passing no matter what. So if this was actually um, not closed beta, I'm sure within an hour we'd have this like giant list of like pick order the AI will use. And you can go look at it and figure out you know what are lowly valued cards. And if they're mythics, this is the way to build a budget deck. You just go in here, wait for people to pass your bulk mythics, pick them up, and then uh, just quit the draft. So I actually think you're right. This is a way to uh, build your collection and it's also a way to convert gold into gems. So you can enter with gems or gold and if you enter with gold you win gems and you can eventually work your way up to enough gems to buy uh, the giant bundle of packs at a discount inc- that you know include the Firesong and Sunspeaker and uh, the wild cards and whatnot so uh, it's actually a pretty good mode. Uh, the only thing is you have to play limited. So if you don't like limited you have to play limited. <laughs> so
0: so my thinking is you don't even have to play limited. So I did some real drafts and actually played through them and I think if you're decent at playing magic and experience at playing magic, it's actually in my experience it was pretty easy to max out at 7 wins. Uh what what was your take on that, Richard? How hard did you find this?
1: Well, according to Arena, I'm the greatest limited player of all time <laughs> because my my results were like uh 7x 03, because I did not draft black white and then 7X, 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 and then like 6X. So, like, I would have won the Pro Tour or something with that record. <laughs> so, I, I don't know what's going on, but... Uh, uh, I'm enjoying the free gems and cards. <laughs> yeah.
0: But my by the end, I actually tried my technique of uh, just using it as a way to acquire cards. And I tweeted about it, and some other people tried it too. And we found out that you can get, if you just exclusively rare draft, you'll get somewhere around 12-ish rares and Mythics per draft. Which is, that's a lot of packs to crack open. The downside is you miss out on wild cards. But if you just rare draft, my technique was you rare draft to just take every uh, rare possible to fill out your collection. Then when you're not having a rare to pick, you try to pick duplicate commons. If there's nothing you already don't have and want for constructed. So I picked like crash down as a card that is almost always last pick. So if you pick every one of the same card, then you're getting dust uh, or vault progress for every extra common you get. And then the way they have rewards right now is yes, the gems go up the better you do from 50 up to like 850, I think is the max or 950 something like that, but the packs are random. You get one to three packs, no matter if you get zero wins or you get seven wins, so you know you're getting at least one pack by doing it that way even if you just immediately drop without playing a game and sometimes you just win the the free roll and get three packs to open on top of it so by the end I just actually stopped drafting and was just like <laughs> picking rares picking trying to pick duplicate commons dropping because I really think it's better a better way to build your collection than opening packs naturally
1: yeah and that's uh, that's part of the downside too which is why I wish there were phantom drafts one of, my, uh, one of my train wreck drafts was because there were too many, too many rare drafting picks going on. It's like I'm, I'm drafting like green-red or something, and then it's like getting the trials. I'm like, okay, I got to take that. <laughs> and then uh, the – oh, what was the next one? The next one was uh, uh, the, the blue thing where you get to loot based on its power. Oh, Champion of Wits. Champion of Wits. I'm like, uh, this is playable. I need to take this. So at the end of this draft, I just had like five <laughs> colored good stuff, which was like totally not playable. And uh, so my 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 gameplay experience was terrible. But then I did walk away with the Gideon and the Champion of Wits and whatnot. So it was totally worth it. But, you know, it was foil Goyfgate all over. I'm like, uh, <laughs> should I actually get this common that's good for my deck or should I take the Gideon? Uh, And it's worth Gideon. (laughs) It's so hard to get mythics on Arena. You gotta take the Gideon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was snap. I was rare drafting even when I was trying to compete. If I saw a mythic, I was rare drafting it. Like even like glorious ender mythics that aren't even that good. I I think it's just correct EV wise to snap off any mythic you see coming around, almost regardless. And this will change in the future. I know. I was talking to some of the Wizards people uh, on Twitter, and they were saying this is basically their casual draft, is what their long-term goal is. This is for the new players, for people, I guess, trying to build their collections. And then they're going to have a competitive draft, which will be best of three. It'll be against real players, so basically more like Paper or Magic Online, and the prizes will be uh, not as random and flat. The prizes will actually be just like magic online. You'll know if you get this many wins, you're getting this much of whatever it is. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Do you think once they add real limited, do you, what would you play, Richard? Like you have this, this is going to stay how it is from what they're saying against the AI, same basic format as it is now. And then you'll have moto or paper style drafts. Do you have any sense what you would choose to play when you have both options?
1: Whatever the Best of One format is. You really like Best of One that much? I really like Best of One because it's fast. Because I can... I don't know. I'm like boiling some water or something. I'm like cooking dinner. (laughs) I can go over there, turn on the water, walk over here and know like within five minutes... I can finish this match unless something goes terribly wrong and then go back and it's not like this, oh it can take anywhere between 5 minutes to an hour. right? So I, I like the best of one format, yes it changes magic, there's no sideboarding and there are certain cards you'll never play because they're sideboard cards and you know there's just no spot in the best of one, but I like the fast gameplay, the fast matches and whatnot so I I am a believer in best of ones. So I I would actually play Best of 1s, even if it's like bad draft.
0: (laughs) For Constructed as well, do you think? Like, I think it'll eventually be the same way with Constructed, where they'll have Best of 1 and Best of 3. Would you, uh, do you feel the same way for Constructed?
1: Yeah, I think my default mode will be Best of 1. And then once in a while, when I want to play competitive Magic or something, I would go play like Best of 3s. And I would play, you know, tournaments or whatever. But, like, to me, that's like a Grand Prix, right? Where you, like, you go in and you're like, oh, I'm all professional now. (laughs) I gotta play real magic and it's all serious stuff. And I gotta dedicate, like, an entire day to this. Whereas, Best of One is like, oh, I'm on the bus. Let me whip out my phone. You know, sling some spells. And then, like, that's it. So, I think Best of One will be the default mode. Because it's just so fast and convenient.
0: So... So, question then, before we got one more topic before fish mail, but one more question about this. Uh, you're an experienced player who's played best of threes your entire life, and you're talking about switching over. I assume that. Uh, Hearthstone players and new players will probably value that even more, which will probably be the default mode for a lot of those players. Do you think there's any concern? Like, one of the upsides of Magic Online is it's exactly like paper magic. So if you learn how to do stuff on Magic Online, as long as you could, like, shuffle your cards, you can go and play a paper event and it's going to be exactly the same. Do you think there's any downside of a potential disconnect where new players are learning uh magic but this different format and form of magic without sideboarding some different card choices and metagame like is it going to be hard for wizards to convert those players to paper which has always been wizard's goal with digital like their goal with digital has always been not to just like get people to play digital is to get people addicted to magic through digital and then get them into paper where they spend even more money so do you think that's going to be a concern or an issue with arena
1: it's different, but I don't think it would be a concern. And I mean, you say it's easy to play moto and play paper. I'll see you at Grand Prix Vegas, Seth. Have you, if you play moto for a while, you forget about triggers and you forget about doing things correctly because moto just forces you to do mandatory triggers. We'll see yeah, get- how many bob triggers or Vial triggers you miss when you play paper after playing moto for so long.
0: Yeah, I'm getting DQ'd.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the same It's the same thing, right? If you don't sideboard, yeah, you're not going to remember how to sideboard. You don't know the sideboarding strategies. Uh, you know, you don't know how to play differently, uh, you know, after a loss and things like that. But will it stop you from going to M? Like, I, I highly doubt it. If I told you, hey, it's like Arena, but you play a best of three and there are four rounds, I'm, I'm sure a new player can handle that. So I don't think it's dissuasive in that sense. But if you're a pro player... And let's say you're Brian Kibler, and you spend all day streaming Arena every day, 40 hours a week, and then you try to show up at a Grand Prix, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult for you. You're going to actually have to put in some practice and try to unlearn all the bad habits. But it's it's the same today, right? Like, if you play Hearthstone all day and then you switch back to Magic, you got to spend some time unwinding and figuring things back out. So uh, it it is different, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, like major or anything i actually think going uh moto to paper is basically the same like the triggers is probably more important than the fact that you know it's a best of one versus best of three
0: so second follow-up question is there any way that this eventually changes paper magic (laughs) could arena blow up to the extent and best of one blow up to an extent where eventually paper magic adopts that
1: it should i think it should it's like, will email change writing letters? Like, I think it will. I mean, people will eventually find this so convenient. I think it will change. But maybe it won't. Maybe Wizards... Because Wizards is very strong on protecting local game stores and keeping things the paper way. So maybe it'll go out of their way. But, you know, imagine FNM where there's 30 people playing. Or you can play Magic Arena where there's like a million people playing. Like if there's going to be one influencing the other, the thing with more people will, will affect it, right? Like every weekend a Grand Prix can only hold 3,000 people or something, right? Whereas Magic Arena, it's like how many people are playing uh, if it's good. So the more popular thing will influence the other thing, which eventually I think Magic Arena will be more popular.
0: Yeah, uh it'll be interesting to see the relationship, assuming that Arena really takes off and becomes a major part of the game, to see how that relationship works with paper, because uh, we've never really had to deal with that with Magic Online, because it's just a copy of paper, so there, there is no real give or take. It, It is just a clone of the paper game uh, as much as you can in digital form, so I, I'll be curious to see what having some of the twists on Magic Arena does to paper and vice versa, so...
1: All right, so Seth, we have fake constructed standard. We have three quarter standard. We have AI drafts. That's basically all of magic, right? We have limited and we have constructed. We've seen the economy. We've seen the rewards. What more do you want to see from this? Like we're almost there. It's almost there, right? This is almost kind of the complete experience. Yeah, they're going to add best of threes, but uh, given how it is now with the rewards and the daily rewards, uh, they might tweak things, but the rate of which you're getting things, I think, will always remain the same. Whether it's front-loaded or back-loaded, they clearly stated they have some target. Uh, target of how much money you're going to spend. They're not going to say that. But they have some target, and they're just going to adjust it around. So this is kind of where we're going to be. What do you think of it? Is this good enough for Magic players?
0: Um, I think... I think it does a lot of good things and I think it is really fun. I'm still not a hundred percent sure what the relationship is going to be to competitive players. Uh, especially just from talking to you today with someone like you who's experienced played magic a long time, preferring best of ones. Uh, I've seen some people saying they prefer drafting against the AI cause it's faster. So uh, will the, the, tournament spiky aspect, once it's added in, is that going to take off? And is that going to draw in the pro players, the grinders, the people that primarily make up the Magic Online player base right now? Also, is the free-to-play aspect enough to draw in those players When you can build a janky, fun deck for $2 on Magic Online. But on Arena, it's pretty expensive because all the cards are priced the same. So while it's cheaper to get your Tier 1 deck, it's way more expensive to get your janky, you know, $2 Commander deck that you play on Magic Online. So I feel like that Arena is doing a lot of things well. I still have concerns about some aspects of the economy. But I found it really fun to play. So uh, what do you think, Richard? Where are you at now that we are seeing more and more of Arena? getting rolled out
1: i think if it launched today as is i would be satisfied i think you know like let's like obviously they'll fill out standard as the sets come in right but i mean just best of one only uh even with just ai draft and uh the reward system i feel like i'm not getting ripped off i feel like i can play as much as i want i feel like there's a point to playing uh, for example, Magic Online. There's actually no point to playing. Like you're, the point of playing is you want to improve yourself. Whereas uh, you you have kind of the gambling addiction with arenas. Like oh, if I don't log in and get my daily rewards, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss something. Or you know oh, I can grind this tournament and get more collection or something. You know, like there's that feeling to it. So and uh, as is, I feel like the rewards are good enough. I feel like I'm building my collection at a good clip. Uh, Yes, I initially put in $100, but I feel like, you know, $100 plus just playing uh, is enough to sustain uh, your magic playing, I guess. Like, you can't build every single Tier 1 deck, but I can build several Tier 1 decks. I can keep playing Constructed without paying more money. I can play Limited to earn new cards. So I feel like it's good enough. I feel like the economy is good. Uh, You know, it could be cheaper, but... It's good enough. Like, I, I feel like I would play this, I would pay money, and I would be happy with this product. So, yeah, I, I, they have to fix the bugs, and they have to add more sets and things like that. But I think just from the economy and the overall experience, I think it's pretty good.
0: So what do you think about those two groups I mentioned? Uh, with it in its current state, let's say it launched, Are the, is the hardcore MTGO... Pro slash grinder slash spike crowd. Are they switching over? Also, what are the the newest of new players that are not gonna spend any money or spend very minimal money? What are they
1: gonna do? So so newest of new players, I think, will jump onto this, no problem. Because today you can't even do that with Moto, you gotta pay 10 bucks, right? And then you end up with basically nothing still. So I think newest of new players are fine and Magic Carino will be perfect for them. For pros, unless they're trying to make the streaming money, they're not going to use it until you have full best of three, until you have full standard, until you have full drafting with everyone. Because they're not playing for quote-unquote fun. They're playing to practice for their tournaments. So it has to mimic what they would experience in a tournament. That means best of three, that means sideboarding, that means drafting against people that actually just don't rare draft and, you know, play to win. So that competitive stuff needs to change for the pros to do it. But I think the pros are such a minority that it doesn't matter. I think if we lost all the pros today, like, Magic would continue. Like, there's just just a small percentage, and they kind of produce content for us. But in terms of actual player base, I think they're actually really, really small. And most people are, are kind of the casual people. Or, like like me, like, washed-up pros that aren't actually pros, right? <laughs> like, we we try to be... Spiky, but it's too much time and effort, so we don't actually do it, and then we just play casually. Like I think a lot of people fall into that group, where we we try to read the strategies and stuff, but then afterwards we're like, I'm just gonna run into this combat trick and five for one myself, whatever. <laughs> right? Like I think that's that's most people. Like we're a, we're a mix between casual and pro, and there's there's very few people that are LSV grinding their way to the top.
0: All right, well, let's move on from Magic Arena. One super quick stop on our way to Fishmail. Richard, we're into week three of Dominaria release. We have not had a single proper standard tournament, at least as far as a big nationwide whatever tournament. Uh, Why? Why? What is going on with the fact that we have a set release and we're having all limited and team tournaments and no standard tournaments?
1: Uh, Watsi thinks it's to keep the format fresh, but... It's just not being opened. Like, I, I feel like I'm playing Frontier. Kind of kind of the biggest reason why Frontier didn't take off is because no one is playing it. Like You don't have the big tournaments. You don't have the big hype. Not everyone is talking about it. Yeah, Dominaria's is out. But when I tune in on TV, I don't... Or, you know, on stream, I don't see any Dominaria. Uh, there are no big tournaments. I don't know what my favorite pros are playing. It's just not exciting. It's like playing one of those dead formats. Like... Tiny Leaders or Frontier or Gasp Legacy, right? Like, once you stop broadcasting high-level events, it's just not as interesting, I don't find. So I'm not interested in Dominaria Standard at all because of this. Like, I I feel like we need a high-level event to get people talking and to get, you know, ideas flowing and things like that and not just hide it under the covers like Watsy wants to, you know, keep the metagame fresh.
0: And the thing is, like the week one metagame doesn't mean anything anyway. We've researched this and written articles about it in the past. Like, it's pretty rare that the first weekend of a release, the decks that you see, people are trying new things, doing different things. That doesn't usually end up being the long-term metagame. So, I don't even think that solves the format if that's part of Wizards' concern. So, I think it's a big missed opportunity. I think... I understand it when there's a Pro Tour that's coming up two weeks after the set release that the pros don't want to play a GP and give away all their secret tech or whatever, but since the Pro Tour is six weeks after the set release or something, I think it's kind of pretty rough that Wizards didn't run a big GP the weekend of Dominaria release and hype it up, because limited GPs just aren't the same, especially from a viewership perspective. So I feel like they're missing out on a lot of Twitch hype and stream hype by doing limited events, which are just... the sad truth is they're not as popular. They're hard to watch, especially with brand new cards that people don't really know. They don't have the cool decks that are bringing some amount of people into watching the event. So I feel like they miss out on a lot of hype by not doing a big standard event right away. And I'm a little surprised Star City Games doesn't do it. Like I understand why they're not doing it, and they're they're trying to position themselves away from Channel Fireball, who's an exclusive like GP provider. So Channel Fireball does standard stuff. They do all the GP. Star City is trying to make themselves, like, the eternal Twitch tournament scene, where they're doing team events with Legacy, they're doing lots of Modern, so they're not directly competing with Wizards GPs, but still, for Week 1, it seems like having a standard tournament could be a good idea.
1: Yeah, I I really dislike the six-week Pro Tour. This is the second time I guess we run into it. Remember the world's fiasco where everyone showed up with Teamer Energy, and that (laughs) was our showing of standard? Now we just get nothing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, we'll see. They're still trying new things. Hopefully... Hopefully that they uh, make some changes. I, I like the Pro Tour right away, too, because it does generate hype. I know maybe from Wizards' perspective, it does bad things to the metagame. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but uh, definitely missing out on a lot of hype by waiting for six weeks to have a Pro Tour. Anyway, let's move into Fishmail. Uh, what do we got this week as far as questions from the Fishbowl, Richard?
1: All right, if you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag #MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions from eloq what are your favorite foods minor bloody mary's that that's eloq's minor not bloody mary's
0: (laughs) that's that's is that even a food
1: uh maybe
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorta (laughs) um i'm gonna go with uh let's go with pizza i guess is a pretty safe choice i mean i am from new york we make good pizza
1: You're from upstate New York. Is pizza good in upstate New York?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We get some of the the trickle down from the city, yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Favorite foods? I I like a good steak. I like a good ribeye steak. Uh, Sebastian Tans. uh, Do you think cards with similar power level to Factor Fiction or Gifts Ungiven would be fine in Standard?
0: Uh, Oh, boy. They would be very good. Gifts Ungiven probably would be okay, I think. Assuming there's no... No combos as far as like unburial rights or something in the format, so that might be okay. I think Factor Fiction would be probably the one of the best cards in its standard format if it was legal.
1: Yeah, you just need to make like Ramunap nap red to kill people before Factor Fiction goes <laughs> off. <laughs> what what was what was the saying? factor end of term Factor Fiction? I win or what was that expression?
0: Uh, I. I think that was, that sounds right.
1: <laughs> or end of turn fact fiction, you lose? There, there's a saying. Basically, <laughs> fact fiction is really good. <laughs> uh, Vin- Vinici USA Bessa. If Moto had 30 minute timers per player, but the game ended as a draw if total time exceeded 50 minutes, wouldn't this be closer to paper magic and fairer? I don't like the idea of someone losing control mirror because they're slower than opponent. Hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean, it would be closer to paper magic to have draws. I don't know if that would be fairer? I don't know. It might lead to to weirdness with someone trying to manipulate the clock to get a draw, potentially. So, I don't know. I don't think I like the idea, but it would be more like paper.
1: Yeah, I, uh, this goes back to our kind of pros practicing for paper. This is another difference between moto and paper. But, if anything, I think moto does it correctly. Um... I, I disagree with the statement that in your control mirror, if the game goes too long, it should be the slower person that loses. It's it's just there's if there's anything to gauge on, it's like time. So if anything, if you could in paper have a chess clock, I think that would be ideal. But it's not easy to implement. Like hey, you know, how, when do you press the button and things like that. So. I think Moto does it better, actually, and I think it's kind of BS that in paper someone can slow play and kind of milk out the clock and it's still within the rules and you end up in a draw, whereas on Moto there's no room for ambiguity. I guess you could spam triggers and hope your opponent doesn't know F6 and they can't <laughs> get through them, but it's a lot more fair and less ways to game it on Moto than it is in paper.
0: And in theory, like I'm, I guess I'm fine with in a control mirror. If the game is not ending, the person who played faster probably deserves to be a winner. Like that probably means you played better than your opponent because you're at the same theoretically like the same spot in the game, but you did it faster with spending less time, you know, thinking about things. So
1: yeah, I don't know. And it's correct in paper too. Like the good control players play ridiculously fast. Like if you watch Shota play, they play ridiculously fast, so they can actually close out games and not get draws in paper. Uh, Sebastian Tans. Uh, do you think Magic is dying? Wizard makes a lot of mistakes image-wise, and products have become really bad. The product made by Wizards feels fake. Your thoughts?
0: Uh, hmm. Well, can you read the first part of that again? <laughs> is
1: Magic dying?
0: <laughs> oh. Uh, no. I don't think Magic is dying. We've definitely had some... Uh, some rough times with Standard and card quality, but Dominaria seems like it's been a huge success. It seems like the card quality is... If not all the way fixed, it's improved. I've been checking my Dominaria cards every once in a while, and they seem like they're holding up pretty well, which isn't necessarily the case for some past sets. So I don't think Magic is dying. Uh, I feel like we've had a rough time, but I feel like we are, we've are we pulled out of the rough time pretty well.
1: Yeah, I've seen people say like Dominaria has sold like twice as much as any other recent set. So if anything, uh, we've just had the greatest set of all time. <laughs> so I don't think it's dying, <laughs> but there is the joke where they're saying... Uh, you know, counterfeit cards can counterfeit uh, magic cards exactly, except they just can't get them to curl uh, the foils like the original products. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, more than a fro. Eleven. Did goldfish get sponsored by Zaxby's? New budget magic showcase features a new salad. What is what is Zaxby's? Is this an East I, Coast chain?
0: Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Apparently,
1: so. they sell salads that that are called salads.
0: <laughs> I I guess I'll have to Google it. I have no idea.
1: Oh wait, what, what's the actual card? What is the card that you can't pronounce that you pronounce as salad? Uh,
0: uh, Zahid. <laughs> That's how you actually pronounce it.
1: So you it's do rare. know. So you do know.
0: <laughs> yes, I I've learned. I've learned. But it it is now named salad as far as the stream <laughs> is concerned.
1: <laughs> Seventy-two J Fisher. What do you think of different rarity planeswalkers? Like un- <laughs> uncommon planeswalker in that two that only have a plus and minus and no ultimate. Hello, Tybalt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Tybalt. Tybalt. You've been you've been downshifted to uncommon.
0: <laughs> Tybalt probably could have been a common, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we already have a lot of planeswalkers. I don't know if I just want the great flood of
1: planeswalkers we will eventually we, probably because we just got our uncommon legendaries right <laughs> they, they gotta keep pushing the design space and soon enough uh we'll we'll get like downshifted <laughs> or we'll get downshifted planeswalkers or just planeswalkers at rare I, I think that will be a thing eventually like maybe we go to a plane where everyone is a planeswalker oh boy like oh. Can, can you not like i could totally see that as being a set and it's a planeswalker matters set <laughs> right <laughs> so like that could totally be a thing
0: Yeah, I guess I could see that happening.
1: All right, Sebastian Tans, uh, textless masterpieces. Do you think Wizards will do them? I'd love a textless Brainstorm masterpiece. Uh,
0: I think Wizards basically has a blanket rule against textless cards at this point. I like them, but uh, uh, from Wizards' perspective, they think they're too daunting for new players that don't necessarily know what Brainstorm does like you and I do.
1: Yeah, Uh, my favorite is Cryptic Command. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so good. That's the cryptics I play on Magic Online. You, got, no. you gotta... got See,
1: Cryptic Command is too good now. You gotta take, like, a obscure thing, like, I don't know, Esper Charm or, like, a Tarkas <laughs> Command or something, where it's like, you kind of know what it does, but you're like, what is that third mode that no one really uses? Like, what does it actually do? <laughs> like, you gotta get yeah. one of those cards. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Jason A. King. I played a guy in Reno whose name was at star 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 twitch tv who is streaming his matches on twitch do you think he deserves to be ghosted what if your handle is actually your twitch stream should you be ghosted
0: you're kind of asking for it but i i would still not ghost personally i it's against my my personal code of playing digital magic but uh i could see the temptation if you're actually having your twitch handle advertised
1: like that all right Chocumbra, the current format of Magic Arena being best of one, I've struggled to build control decks that can answer a variety of threats. Thoughts on how best of one format may warp the arena meta? Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it makes it It's definitely different, and it does make it harder to play kind of true draw-go control. Probably the most successful control decks are either Scarab God or maybe some approach decks have been pretty good. But yeah, definitely changes things as far as just not being able to answer everything. I don't think there's a deck right now, but I could certainly imagine... Uh, a standard format with Best of One where a combo deck just absolutely dominates because the cards that you want to play to stop the combo are cards that you can't really afford to put in your main deck because they're bad or do nothing in other matchups. So I feel like you get these weird edges where you can kind of exploit the fact that people don't have sideboards and the cards that would disrupt your combo uh, don't actually see you play in the format because of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would play Duress as mainboard in my white-black deck because... Uh, no, typically that's for the sideboard for control decks, but I play enough control decks that I just main deck it, and it more or less works. It's not yeah, I've too seen, dead.
0: <laughs> I've seen, like, main deck naturalizes mm-hmm. some people playing, so you definitely do see some amount of cards you think of as sideboard cards slipping into main decks, so that's a good point, too.
1: All right, Edivanta, can you explain why the extended format is not supported anymore? It seems like an interesting format compared to modern.
0: Uh, so... It kind of got unpopular, and then they switched to Modern. Uh, And now, looking back on it, I think people maybe remember it more fondly than it actually was remembered at the time when they dropped it, because it was actually a pretty unpopular format at the end.
1: How, How big was extended? How many blocks or how many sets was it?
0: It changed from time to time. I think that at the end, it was six years of sets, something like that.
1: Okay. I mean, I could see how you hit, like, the bad six years. Like, you know how sometimes we get bad standard? You can get bad extended, and then it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And then and then they just axe it, and then you, then you get all nostalgic. And you're like, oh, that was the greatest format ever, even though I didn't <laughs> play it when it was around, right? So, so, yeah. But maybe eventually they add one back in, but who knows. Uh, Z Shepard's Firesong and Sunspeaker, I think, will be printed in a supplemental brawl deck. Seems like Wizard makes good money on Commander products and Brawl products would fit right in line uh, with a way to supplement expensive st- standard staples, simpler, similar to Challenger decks.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll see. I don't know if I expect Brawl decks this year. I think that it's that's something that could happen, but I would be a little surprised if Wizards jumped right on it that quickly.
1: Uh, I mean, Firesong can just be included in a Commander deck as well.
0: Yeah, I think that there are ways that they can reprint it, and they probably will end up reprinting it. The question is, is it three months from now or a year or two from now?
1: right, uh, Alex Bianchi just got on Arena and got a decent amount of wild cards doing dailies and weeklies. I want to get a real deck now and stop using the ones I made with stuff they give you, but I don't want a deck that will rotate out of standard. Recommendations, no mono red, please.
0: Uh, hmm. Um, That's the best
1: deck. So I wouldn't worry about rotation. Your collection will probably be wiped before rotation happens. So they they will wipe again sometime soon. So that I won't worry about. Um, White Black Vampires is fairly cheap to make. Not a lot of Mythics. And the Mythics you use, uh, you already have. Uh, that's what I built, and it's pretty easy. I built that before I built Mono Red.
0: I've seen white-black vampires be pretty decent on Magic Arena, so I think that's a fine choice. And I do agree, wipe will be incoming, so kind of just do whatever you want, uh, because there's going to be that wipe rotation before long anyway.
1: All right, Sugi time. Why don't you play leagues with your videos? From the outside, it looks like you're specifically avoiding playing the top-tier decks. Seems misleading. Am I wrong?
0: Uh, There's... There's a bunch of reasons, so it depends on the series. On much of Bruin on stream, we play leagues. Uh, With Budget Magic, I could see an argument for playing leagues. Uh, I don't think that it's avoiding top-tier decks, because you run into the top-tier decks anyway, but you are more likely to run into some brews in the two-player queues. Uh, The biggest upside of not playing... In leagues, as you have more control over the matchups with my experience in leagues, sometimes you just play the, you know, mono red three or four times in a league and people have had really lacking feedback or bad feedback as far as video series that have the same matchup over and over and over again. So doing two player matches gives a lot more control because if you keep running into the same deck, you can. actually just scoop and move on to the next match and for against odds i think the biggest argument is it's more about doing cool things than necessarily trying to build a deck that's going to win a gp so uh it's and it's also a variable number of matches sometimes we have seven against odds matches sometimes we have four depending on how fast or slow the game is and the matches go
1: all right richard casby would a card that only shuffles a target player's library be good
0: uh, I mean, you could play it against the odds with, like, Psychogenic Probe, I think, but in general, no. I don't think just sh- a tap to shuffle your library would be played. I think there's cards that do that, actually. Yeah. Like, creatures that do that.
1: Even if it's, say, one mana, and then it cycles for one, and target player shuffles the library, I still don't think that's good enough. Like, that, the opportunity cost on that one mana is worth more. Like, there's very few situations where this matters. Like, yeah, if they... Um, I don't know, they scry to the top. You can shuffle them to get them. Or uh, you know, if you brainstorm, you can either mess up their brainstorm or shuffle away your brainstorm. So there are uses for this, but I think it's so niche that you don't need it. It's kind of like looking at target player's hand. It's like, yeah, there's a benefit to it, but is it worth a card, and is it worth the mana you're going to spend to to do it? And maybe Lantern Control.
0: They might play... If you had a one-mana artifact that was just tap, shuffle, target player's library, Lantern Control might play it as, like, a one yeah
1: Yep. Uh, Draco, Lucian, uh, whatever you wait, occasionally have Brawl decks for instant deck techs?
0: Possibly. I haven't really figured out how to handle Brawl yet. The, the tournament scene is all brawl and make or brawl and it makes it very hard to actually make content for it but maybe just casual brawl decks if that's something if that's something you want let me know in the comments because it's definitely a possibility that we could do that if there was popular demand for it
1: all right q dig i think there needs to be a poll or website to find out if seth is probably better known as saffron olive
0: All right. Well, uh, I'll try to run a, a straw poll at some point and find out what I'm actually known as.
1: <laughs> Kid Panama, do you think Bardu vehicles could be ported to Modern? More efficient creatures and spells such as Thalia, Lingering Soul, Smother's Copter.
0: I, I think it would be like third tier probably, but I think that you could win some games with it. Because Smuggler's Copter is good, you do have decent creatures for it, so I think an upgraded port could probably win some games, but I think that it would probably just be slow affinity as far as being tier 1 deck, so I don't know if I could imagine it being a legit top tier deck.
1: Yeah, I think Smuggler's Copter was so good in Standard uh, that it got banned, but uh, in Modern, it's just not played, like, you don't have to go up new vehicles, there are plenty of creature decks in Modern, but we don't play Smuggler's Copter. Because it just costs so much and it dies the lightning bolt uh, in addition to all the other removal. So I, I don't know that Mardu vehicles uh, would be good. And if you massage it enough, it becomes like some Mardu Pyromancer deck, and then that could be playable. <laughs> but then it's, like, so far removed from Mardu vehicles that it's no longer, you know, a vehicle deck, right?
0: The other problem is, like, Modern is very prepared for artifact decks. That's, like, a staple of sideboards. You Because of Affinity and Tron and other decks that use artifacts almost every deck is going to have stony silence or ancient grudge and those type of hate cards are something that you don't deal with in standard where your opponent can just play a stony silence on turn two and all of a sudden your entire deck is invalidated or an ancient grudge blows up two of your vehicles for three mana and all of a sudden you just lose so the format's hostile to slow artifacts like that anyway
1: all right blaine tog is it correct to run both soul savage Soul Salvage and Fungal Infection in the same draft deck, or does one preclude the other? I hear you searching up <laughs> these, these cards, Seth. You, can you tell me what they do?
0: <laughs> so, so, Soul Savage, three mana, return two target creatures from your graveyard to your hand. And what was the other one? Fungal Infection. Uh, fungal Infection, alright. Exiles, exiles a creature. Oh, wait. Fungal Infection? I think,
1: he, I think he's meeting the thing that makes saplings, right? Isn't yeah, Fungal Infection fung- removal?
0: Yeah, Fungal Infections, Remove. I, I think it's
1: the thing that makes saplings by exiling creatures from your graveyard.
0: Yeah, Fungal Plots. Yeah. Uh, two mana, exile a creature, make a sapling, sect you sapling, straw card. Um, I think it depends on your deck. I wouldn't say that you would just blanket, never play those two cards together, Uh, but there is some anti-synergy there. But if you had enough ways to get creatures into your graveyard, I could see both working.
1: Yeah uh canadian crawler will there be another can't wipe on arena i'm wondering if it's worth it to pay money for drafts if my cards will just get deleted anyway i might hold off on playing
0: uh yes there will be another wipe but they will reimburse you for any gems that you buy they'll give you those gems back so, so.
1: even if we waste them all on drafts we get the the gems back right
0: Yes, any gems that you buy, so if you bought 20,000 gems or whatever it is for 100 bucks, when they wipe, you'll have those 20,000 gems back, yep. regardless of how you
1: spent them. Alright, uh, Mike Arnold, has anyone attempted to play New Perspectives Combo on Arena? Have you tried uh, New Perspectives Combo? I
0: haven't. I don't have the cards for it yet. I've thought about it, but from my understanding, from other people playing it, it's just literally, literally unplayable with the current timer setup, which they've said is something they're going to try to work on to make it so you actually can play combo decks. Because right now, you just time out a hundred percent of the time.
1: Mm, I'm almost. I think I have three new perspectives from bulk drafting them. <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> from from the, my 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 uh, draft leagues, so I'm almost there.
0: (laughs) I've wanted to do it for science, but I'm afraid that it would just come across as me being salty and complaining about why I can't play new perspectives and why I time out every time. So we'll see. Maybe I'll try it eventually.
1: Oh, but I I ran into this funny bug, by the way, quick segue, where the game reset and I had to replay it, but both players knew what cards were being drawn. So like like the deck wasn't (laughs) shuffled. (laughs) So we were both trying to manipulate the board state because we knew how it was going to end up and uh, I was going to lose, by the way. So I was trying to play cards in different orders and stuff and knowing what my future draws and my opponent's future draws were. It was actually oh. a pretty fun game of Magic, even though I ended up losing again. <laughs>
0: if only you had that Shuffle Target Player's Library card, <laughs> yes, you would have yes, been golden. Yes.
1: <laughs> but it was such a weird bug. It was like, what? How come I'm in the same game again? And how come I have the same hand and drawing the same cards?
0: <laughs> That's really funny, because Modo kind of has that, but it just like it puts everything it. back on yeah. the battlefield to the point. Yeah. Huh. Interesting.
1: Uh, all right. Last question. Oscar Quinones B... Uh, a while ago, Alpha Investment said something about Wizards not being able to recognize card quality issues because it would admit faulty product selling and open them to class action lawsuits. Thoughts?
0: Oh, man. I I, I have no idea. I'm very,
1: very far from being a lawyer. Yeah, we're, not so. a, we're not lawyers. But even if it didn't open them to lawsuits, it's just bad PR. I don't know why you would say that. Especially because it's, it's like a small percentage. Like, it's not like every card was, like, misprinted. So just stating that, I think, would just be bad PR for them. So that's why they would hide it, if not for legal reasons.
0: I feel like the way they're doing it now makes a lot of sense, where they're publishing a series of articles about how cars cards are made, talking about how they're improving it. I just wish they had done that faster. Like, if, if they had started this process that they're doing now with being more transparent about how cards are made and the new finish and stuff, like six months ago or a year ago, instead of this huge gap to get to it, I think that would have been would have been fine. I think that was the biggest problem, is it just took them so long to... Re- I think they responded in a good way eventually, considering all, uh, all the aspects of what's going on and the legalities and all that stuff, but I think it just took them too long.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's all our fish mail for this week, so thank you for everyone uh, for sending them in. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail.
0: And I think that brings us to the end of episode 171 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. So Richard, thanks for hanging out. It's always a fun time.
1: Always a pleasure, Seth.
0: And thanks to all of you for listening. So we'll be back next week talking some more magic with episode 172. So for now, that's the crew of the Goldfish Podcast signing out. Have a good week.